I'd like to share the gospel reading for this morning, which is from the Gospel of John, chapter 12. And in the middle of this story is the nugget. It's the key, the phrase. It's the core of the story, which is the parable of the wheat grain in which Jesus is foretelling what is going to be happening in the next week or two. Now among those who went up to worship at the festival were some Greeks. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and said to him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew. Then Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly, I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains just a single grain. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Those who love their life lose it, and those who hate their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, there will my servant be also. Whoever serves me, the Father will honor. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So we've been talking about functional faith for a few weeks now, and Ross wanted to discuss spiritual disciplines in a very practical way. Here's a discipline. Here's why you might try it. Here's how you would do it. And when he and I were talking about what he'd like me to discuss with you this morning, he really wanted me to talk about my own spiritual practices, what spiritual disciplines I use and how. So I think I am pretty typical in a lot of ways. I don't make as much time for this as I should. I have a hard time being consistent. And I get frustrated and want to give up sometimes when I don't feel like it's working the way I think it should work. But I do make an effort to use at least some of the disciplines regularly and to try new ways of using the spiritual disciplines to keep my mind open and to prevent my spiritual life from becoming too routine. Today I'm going to focus on practices that are individual rather than the corporate practices. The corporate disciplines are super important to me. They are the cornerstone of my faith life. Just a different topic. So let's start with fasting. Did anyone else try this after Ross recommended it? Yeah, I did. I had not done this before. And now I am fasting on Tuesdays. And it's been interesting. Um, I... The only other time I had tried fasting was, well, yeah, to lose a little weight. Guess what? It didn't work. Um, But this has been very different, 
And it's been surprising to me that it has not been as difficult as I expected it to be because I really love food. Um, but I make it through Tuesdays okay. And those times when I would normally be preparing meals, eating meals, I'm very conscientiously using that time for spiritual disciplines, whether it's prayer or meditation, study. I use that time deliberately, and it has been a great gift. It's a time with God that I don't normally get every day. But probably my favorite discipline and the one that I've recently been studying the most about is meditation. And if you haven't spent time on this discipline, I would most strongly encourage you to do that, to try it. It's very powerful. It's the first discipline that Foster discusses in his book that Pastor Ross has been referring to during these last few weeks. And he titles the chapter Meditation, but then he uses the term contemplative prayer interchangeably within his writings. And it's also significant that it's the first one because really he sees this as the foundation for all of the rest of the disciplines. So in Eastern meditation, the objective of meditation is detachment and and an empty mind. But in Christian meditation, the objective is attachment to God and filling yourself with the Holy Spirit. There's a small conversation that Richard Rohr quotes in his book on contemplative prayer that I really love because I think it illustrates contemplative prayer perfectly. It's a student questioning his master. Is there anything that I can do to make myself more enlightened? As little as you can do to make the sun rise in the morning. Then of what use are the spiritual exercises you prescribe? To make sure that you are not asleep when the sun begins to rise. I want to be there when the sun rises. That's what I want. I want to be there. I want to be fully present and open to God's presence. Because we're not trying to conjure up a mystical spirit here. We are opening ourselves to God's presence. The fundamental idea of Christian meditation is to simply enjoy the companionship of God. Stilling your own thoughts so that you can listen should God choose to speak and how God can speak. In the stillness, I have felt and seen God in new ways. So Carrie Newcomer is an author whose writings Ross has shared with me. She recently wrote this. This presence is so faithful that we stop noticing it. In the same way we stop noticing the air we breathe, 
until the wind shifts and the trees lean over in a new direction. Very appropriate for New Mexico in the springtime. (laughs) Contemplative prayer or Christian meditation may really truly be the most profoundly simple way of connecting with God. Excuse me, water bottle. Thanks. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, so, of course, I'm going to talk about prayer. And I love this slide. And I don't know if you can see the details in her face. She's squinting. She is praying so hard, and her little hands are squeezed together. And I happen to have a front row seat at this morning's children's moment. Thank you, Stuart. Um, As Joseph sat here and prayed the Lord's Prayer with his little hands squeezed together and his eyes closed tight. Ah, What an inspiration. It was beautiful. There are as many ways to pray as there are people in this congregation. And I myself pray lots of different ways, lots of different kinds of prayers. But right now, my most consistent way of praying is with prayer beads. And I know some folks here are familiar with prayer beads because there's been a class on prayer beads um, on Wednesday night a few years ago. For me, prayer beads help to give my prayers structure and form. They have these, they're set up with a particular number of beads and a particular big bead, some and and then the small beads and then another big bead. But they don't actually dictate what you pray or how you pray it. Um, For me, they just help me to focus. They were very helpful this past week while I was waiting in the hospital while my husband had surgery. I was in, we were at Memorial. And I don't know if you've ever been in their chapel. It's lovely. And it's funny because you have a choice. You can wait in the surgical waiting room, which is just this dark, windowless, rows and rows of anxious people on rows and rows of uncomfortable chairs. Or you can go to the chapel, hmm, with its lovely stained glass windows and its sunlight and the waterfall, and it's so peaceful and relaxing, and I immediately knew where I wanted to spend more of my time. And so I went into the chapel, and I picked up my beads, and I started to pray. You'll see that the prayer beads have a cross at the end. In the name of the Father and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, I prayed. Next, on the next seven beads, I prayed the Lord's Prayer. That's how I always open my prayer time. And then I waited. I waited to hear, to feel, what the next seven beads would be for. And the words came. Health and healing. Courage, comfort, strength, peacefulness, 
love. I prayed these things for my husband first. And then for the doctors and nurses and technicians that were working on him. And then I wanted to fill the entire hospital with these things. Courage, comfort, health, healing, strength, peacefulness, love. I imagined my prayers expanding in waves from his operating room to the other operating rooms, the entire first floor, and the whole hospital. When I was done, an hour had passed, and I felt so much less anxiety. And although I had definitely felt the presence of God during that time, not once did that presence say to me, it's going to be fine. Surgery's going to go perfectly. No concerns, no worries. No, no, there was no promise that everything would go smoothly. But those prayers for healing, for courage, for peacefulness had reached me. Uh-oh, I killed it. I killed it, Sean, I'm sorry. That's all right. Another discipline that I use regularly is study. Hmm. There we go. There are so many great opportunities here at Morningstar to study. To study God's word, theology, ways to connect with God, the life of Jesus, the teachings of Jesus, all of it. We've got Bible study groups and mops and small groups and Sunday school classes and book clubs and WGN. There are just all these great opportunities. And so the first thing I want to say is, if you're not connecting with one of those, please do. It's such a wonderful opportunity. Don't miss out on that. But I'd like to talk about one particular type of individual study that I have found to be very meaningful. It's called Lectio Divina, and it is not a Harry Potter thing, okay? (laughs) Actually, I'm probably a little crazy for even going here, but every time I talk about this, people are curious and interested, and so I really want to go here. Lectio Divina very simply means holy reading. And it combines different disciplines. It combines reading, meditation, prayer, and contemplation. And basically, here's how it works. You select a passage of the Bible, preferably one that you are not reading for the first time, one that you know or have heard before, and you read it through once, slowly. What stirs you? What jumps out at you? Then read it again and stop at the place or the places that tugged at you. What is the word 
or the short phrase that's connecting with you right now or catches your attention. Identify it, repeat it, and now meditate on that word or phrase. Use your imagination, picture it, and then focus on why the Holy Spirit might have chosen that word, that phrase to speak to you today. Is it relevant to something that you're going through? Does it bring to mind a struggle that you're having? And this process is designed to allow a passage to penetrate us where we are at that moment. So now you take all of those thoughts and your feelings and you offer them to the Lord in prayer. Ask for help. Give praise and thanks. Confess a wrong and ask for forgiveness. Whatever is laid on your heart, lift it up and share it with God in prayer. The last step is to take just a few more minutes to simply be silent in the presence of God. Now you're just quieting your mind and closing out your time of holy reading. Reading, meditation, prayer, and contemplation. And here's the thing. This is why I love it. I've been reading the Bible since literally I could read. Okay? Um, And yet, every time that I do this, I get something new. Because I'm looking for what's jumping out at me on that day. And that day is different than any other day. And what I'm experiencing, suddenly the Bible has relevance to what I'm going through right then. Now it sounds like it would take a long time, but actually 15 to 20 minutes is sufficient for this practice. And it will not feel rushed it will give you a new perspective. It will give you a new way of bringing the Bible to your life this day. So those are my practices. Those are my disciplines. I do these things to be open to God. Whatever he might send my way, as quiet as that might be. These are my efforts to be present with God. So to wrap up the wrap-up, I'm going to admit something. Yes, I do these things so that I can connect more deeply with God's presence. And while a deeper connection to God is what I want most, it's also what I fear most. It's scary to think about. Have you ever asked yourself, what happens if I really do really connect with God? That could change everything. That could be transformational. I'm not always ready for everything to change. And so that's when it can be scary. But time and time again throughout the Bible, people who encountered God were afraid. We heard Jacob this morning. He was afraid. Mary, the shepherds in the field, 
Zechariah, Elizabeth's husband, Moses, the apostles, and God comforted and blessed each one of them. So not worrying, not being afraid. It's a big type. It's a big thing. It's a big concept, and maybe that's another sermon for another time. But for now, today, let's acknowledge the fear. Let's admit it. I mean, God knows, right? He knows that the fear is there in our heart. Let's admit that to him. Connecting to God can be scary. But let's try to give that fear to God. Tell God about it and then let it move out of the way, at least just a little bit, so that we can let a little more of God in. I'd like to share this prayer with you. Oh God, let something essential happen to me, something more than interesting or entertaining or thoughtful. Oh God, let something essential happen to me, something awesome, something real. Speak to my condition, Lord, and change me somewhere inside where it matters a change that will burn and tremble and heal and explode me into tears or laughter or love that throbs or screams or keeps a terrible cleansing silence and dares the dangerous deeds. Let something happen in me, which is my real self, God. Oh God, let something essential and joyful happen in me now, something like the blooming of hope and faith, like a grateful heart, like a surge of awareness of how precious each moment is. That now, not the next time, now is the occasion to take off my shoes, to see every bush afire, to leap and whirl with neighbor, to gulp the air as sweet wine until I've drunk enough to dare to speak the tender word. Thank you. I love you. You are beautiful. Let's live forever, beginning now. And I'm a fool for Christ's sake.